Hey, Ree, how do you feel about your football team right now? Like I've transcended all of time and space that my body has separated from my mind. I'm like a Dr. Manhattan-like figure where I just see everything moving. Do you have I, pants I, on? I don't have pants on. Right, he's never had pants on, actually. That's one of the things that attracted Adrian to him is his lack of pants. It's completely unrelated to how I feel. I just don't have pants on. Is there any chance that uh, you'll put pants on before next week? Absolutely not. Go Bills. Welcome back to the square. Oh my goodness, boys. Another Buffalo Bills victory yeah. Sunday for us here. Sweet. So sweet it is. I mean, I, I mean, sure, to be fair, with like two minutes left in the game, I was texting my friend in Los Angeles or in San Jose that like they could still lose. Like it's it's still not like I know that their quarterback has never played in the NFL before. And they're up by 14 points, and there's only two minutes left in the game, and, and the Ravens only scored three points up until that point. But, you know, the 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 Bills are my abusive stepfather. They uh, they have they have let me down over and over again. They've they've brought me up only to knock me down. But goddamn, for the first time in 28 years, they're going to be in the AFC Championship game. You know, I've never done meth, but I think the highs and lows of doing meth roughly roughly compare to being a Bills fan. Like I, I couldn't sleep at all last night. I I'll tell you what one thing is if if, uh, if the Bills win the AFC Championship next week, one of us has to go through a table. Well, speaking of Jim, yes, I don't know if you saw that video from last night of somebody literally carrying a table <laughs> to the middle of Elmwood and Allen. And dear listener, I want to remind you that none of the streets downtown were blocked off last night. <laughs> this cop car sitting right there with the lights. Yes. There's, yeah. there's no inauguration going on in Buffalo that they close off the streets. Traffic was ostensibly supposed to be opened. But real ones know that once the tables come out, that's it. Yeah. So there was a cacophony. Drop my little SAT word. A cacophony of honking horns for hours. I mean... Hours, at least three hours. I heard the horns going. Oh, I heard I heard the horns going in Lancaster, and like during the game, every time the Bills scored, fireworks were going off in Lancaster. Mm -hmm. And after the game was over, there was like a fifteen minutes of just like fireworks going off. It was amazing. I don't even want to think what it's going to be like if we win any more games. Well, the video I was referencing, somebody brought a table to the middle, like I said, Elwood and Allen, and there's some. Very annoying voiced, very Buffalo accented woman going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then you just see this giant goofball just go right through the fucking table. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Get out of the street. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. Don't do it! Oh! Oh, no! 
Oh no! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh no! It's awesome. Oh man, it's you know what? Uh, and the national media is really loving like all the Bills mafia, the Bills fans type of stuff. Um, it's it's so. It's so weird, but also great. After so many years of being just terrible, that the national media is fawning over the Buffalo now. We're, we're America's sweethearts, baby. Yeah, I mean, we're Vibe Central. It, it's, I mean, it's, it seems like everybody's rooting for the Bills at this point. For sure. And also a big. Uh, sh- oh, go ahead, Jay. Unless, of course, the Browns win today. At which point, then everybody will be rooting for the Browns because of the, everybody loves an underdog story. Although I I am rooting for the Browns, not because I'm afraid of Kansas City, but mm-hmm. because I want I just want it to be all Rust Belt for the entire playoffs. Yeah, Lake Erie is the center of the universe as far right. as I'm concerned. It will all eat some Lake Erie perch. Yes, perch tacos. Only perch the tacos. finest perch tacos. And shout out to the absolutely insane Bills Twitter people, my boy at Hucklebuckets, who. <laughs> At one point, they started a Bills Mujahideen, got canceled for it. I don't know what Bills-related separatist movement they're on now, but it's all very funny to me. <laughs> like, I wasn't, a, even as, like, an Arab-American guy, I was not offended by the Bills Mujahideen. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> but I know others didn't take it so lightly. But whatever, whatever kind of separatist movement you guys are on, you keep me entertained. I uh I got a I got a text last night during the game about this podcast from a, a friend of the pod, Corinne. Ah, Corinne. Yeah. She was like, uh, "We should do an episode where we explain football to people who don't understand football." She goes, "Or the non PC version that the guys explain football to girls." Oh, jeez. No, what Corinne needs is a young Sheldon, like on that Bears Nickelodeon. The, podcast. That Nickelodeon oh. podcast that was with the Nickelodeon. Uh, telecast which was amazing and i hope the super bowl's on nickelodeon the the only way that game last night could have got any better is with green slime and spongebob slime in the end zone for that 101 yard uh-huh. interception return uh-huh amazing well we are not a sports podcast but we're gonna you know we're gonna revel in it a little bit but jim believe it or not there was other stuff happening this week in Buffalo, Western New York, I, other than the I, Bills. I, I don't believe it. I, it's, it's all Bills all the time. I'm going to order my Fred Smurless jersey and uh, go to town. I'm going to use my Biden bucks on my Fred Smurless jersey. <laughs> who, who's somebody right now, Jim, who, you know, might not be celebrating like the rest of us with this whole Bills thing, considering he may or may not have been involved in trying to storm the Capitol? Oh, oh it's it's our boy that we talked about last week, Pete Harding, who uh, who, who was arrested by the FBI this week. Um, they had to go find him. They were at his, they were at his house for nine hours. Ooh, ooh Pete. Uh, Stefan's boy, Pete Harding. Yes, Stefan's boy, Pete Harding. Let me repeat, Stefan's boy, Pete Harding uh, got arrested. He's a uh, he, he did get released, but he's on uh, he's home. Uh, he's bound to his house under electronic surveillance. He can't leave Western New York. He can go to D- D.C. only for court appearances, and he's not allowed to uh, have a firearm, and he's not allowed any uh, contact with any potential uh, witnesses. Other than that, he's having a pretty good week. I mean, his bills won. 
Pete Pete Harding's Buffalo Bills <laughs> one, so I guess he's not feeling so bad about that. It turns out though there are some serious repercussions for uh I don't know, trying to cause an insurrection. Right, yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah, for being on film trying to light um press materials and on fire. And he was the first one, right? Like that was the big headline was that Western New York man was the first arrest. Yeah. Awesome. I, I saw that there was a, a, a arrest in Rochester too for a guy named Scuzzo or something like that. <laughs> nah, they're, they're all, Pete Harding and Scuzzo. Scuzzo, Pete Harding, they're all just secret Antifa. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, just, they're all crisis actors. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I hope uh, everything plays out for Pete and Scuzzo appropriately. But moving on, Jim, I've uh, seen in the news because I actually haven't gone to these places, but I've seen in the news that restaurants are reopening. Yeah, they won their lawsuit. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. A, a major rebuke for uh, King Andy Cuomo. What's going on there? I know there was a lawsuit. I know there was a whole bunch of businesses. Pharaoh's was one of them, as we all remember. Right. Um, and they're, they, they were suing so basically that they could reopen as though they were in the yellow zone. As though they were had no, because there's no green zone, right? There's yellow, orange, and red, but there's no green zone where everything is good. So yellow zone is as good as you can be in New York State right now. And they were suing that, like, fuck this orange zone nonsense. We want to kill people. Well, I think I think Pharaoh's argument was out of all the diseases that can kill you from Pharaohs, right? Co- COVID, COVID is actually the least yeah. serious. Yeah. It's actually the, it. You can get better from COVID. You can get over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, you know when when firefighters set another fire to prevent yeah. right yeah uh, uh, no it's and so like uh, I did see on Twitter or in the paper or both the list of restaurants that were included uh, on the lawsuit and to me it's just a list of restaurants that I never want to go to again because like like I get it like running a restaurant <laughs> is tough we talked to Roy just two weeks ago. And that your profit margins are minuscule. And if any other business wanted to run on those type of profit margins, you would get told to get fucked. I get it. But like, it's a national health crisis, guys. Like international, international health crisis. Well, we'll just say national because fuck every other country. Who cares about them? (laughs) But it is an international health crisis. It's, you know, there's a fucking plague going across the planet. As of as of yesterday, official deaths over two million uh, worldwide from COVID. From COVID, and and how how many related deaths might there be? Right, right, and and we don't know about the long term effects of COVID, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're hearing that like that we think that people are having uh, heart issues that are going to be long term effects from COVID. Sweet, good, good. Uh, as somebody whose family has heart issues, I can tell you that's a fucking barrel of monkeys. That is a lot of fun. I'm just going to try to compartmentalize people going because people were surely packed in the bars last night on Allen Street up until 10 p.m. Right. Yeah. Because we heard them leaving like it was like a herd of fucking elephants leaving the bars at around 10 p.m. But I'm just going to try to compartmentalize all those people packed into the restaurants because Cuomo lost his, you know, lawsuit with the state. And like, uh, uh, hopefully, not a spike in COVID rates in Western New York or statewide. Or I mean, statewide. Yeah, I mean, I I, I hope that uh, I think it was Judge Nowak that made this decision. Um, I you know I hope that the judge doesn't regret this when you know thousands of people die. But whatever. 
but your boy, but definitely my my boy, and certainly Pete Harding's boy, Pete and Pete Harding's boy, the press conference friend, um, Stefan had a, a, a press release saying that uh, shouldn't thank the state for relaxing um, the restrictions on you because it's akin to if somebody is standing on your throat and you can't breathe and they take your foot off of you and now you can breathe again. It's pretty rich. Yeah, I mean, obviously people immediately made the association with George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, police brutality, and are like, are you, are you, are you, what are you saying, Stefan? Like, what, are you, what is, what is your point here besides the fact that, like, you're trying to say that, like, the state is too oppressive and is killing, like, you're saying that the state wants to kill businesses, which is clearly not true. What they want to do is save lives. That's two separate things. If a business dies because of it, well, there, I guess it's an acceptable loss sometimes. I mean, it's it sucks for in, them. In the absence of some kind of social safety net for these people during an, an emergency. Right, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if we had UBI and nationalized healthcare, then maybe we'd be like, fuck it, leave the businesses open. You know, the problem is, is like now that the, this judge has ruled that these businesses can be open, it's going to be like when the restaurants were reopened during the summer and people were going and people were going because they thought they were safe. People are going to go now and think that they can, because they can go, it's safe to go. And it's, it's not any safer than it was when you were told not to go. In fact, it's more dangerous because everybody's going to be out there and the rates are higher. And there's this variant of COVID that's actually more easily transmitted, right? The UK variant. So we can't just call it the Kung flu anymore. Sorry, Re. <laughs> Apology accepted. <laughs> this is classic Stefan, by the way. Just a day late and a dollar short with his triggering the libs bullshit. Because if he had made this kind of glib retort or whatever you want to call it, circa June or July, that's that sting might have been there a little bit more. But now that we're in January of 2021, you could see it pretty plainly for what it is. Mm. That, again... Hate to harp on it, but this guy is doing everything that he can to try to troll and try to trigger in the hopes to be some kind of fucking personality, news anchor, whatever you want to call it. I don't think he has any serious interest in, certainly not in governing. He's shown that in his term as comptroller, not doing anything actually serious. So now it's just a, an outrage cycle and he thrives off of it. And maybe we're feeding into it by covering it so much, but you know what? He is... A fucking elected official so we do have to if we care about this stuff we do have to care about him but i also think we can frame it properly him saying stefan mahailu saying something like the state is stepping on your neck and you can't breathe is a pretty transparent effort to try to get you riled up no that's your theory listener. that's your theory that you know he's 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 vying to be a, uh, some kind of celebrity my theory is he's a clown and now that we don't have circuses he's got nothing else to do I, he's just a fucking piece of trash is what he is. Yeah. He's he's a fat three-chin piece of trash. <laughs> I mean, I'm fat too, but like at least I grow a beard to make it look like I have a chin. Well, this fucker shaves every day. Well, we're not going to... There's enough to shame Stefan Mihailu for other than his appearance. I'm not going to go down that route, but I will say that I don't think he's serious. I don't think he's... Certainly, again, certainly serious, not serious as a government official by any means. This is just another, hey, can I get myself back on Tucker Carlson's show? That's it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he, he's he just thrives on 
the the media coverage or uh, the problem is that he doesn't even get media coverage over this stuff you know like i know about it because i follow him on twitter and instagram and it gets me all fucking riled up and then i, I want to go punch a fucking wall we're his media coverage we are his media coverage we're like it's it's us because like like, like this said, is our version of hell by the way <laughs> Like this is our, like three the three of us are in our own version of hell, right? Where we're obsessed with Stefan Mahalo and right. Uh, even Sartre would say, "You guys are taking it too far." <laughs> um, but like, like my parents don't know any of the shit. They watch the local news. They read the paper every single day. They don't know any of the shit that Stefan's doing because he's not getting any coverage out of it. It's just he's just getting us and WestNewYorkMedia.net all fucking riled up about it. Well, let's pivot a little bit to actual serious political figures and what they're trying to do with relation to COVID and, you know, how things are going. Mark Polencars recently tweeted out, Jim, about the vaccine rollout kind of coming to, I don't want to say a standstill, but a bit of de- a delay. So I'm going to pull up. He, he did tweet something out yesterday about the COVID rates in Erie County have been on a bit of a decline. So that's a positive. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think they jumped back up today. The latest graph. God damn it. Yeah, I know. I did see that friend of the pod, State Assemblyman Pat Burke, has uh, has an article in the uh, Orchard Park Bee, the, the Bee family of newspapers, saying that uh, Cuomo's executive powers need to be brought back in, into line. Yes. Um, and that, I read that as well. And uh, that he was calling for... Once, once Biden's inaugurated, and we have an, a federal government that cares about responding to like fucking like an, uh, an international health yeah, crisis it, that doesn't hate people, you right? Know, that, cowardly, um, that has some interest in doing that. He would like to see the CDC take over New York State's response to uh, COVID um, and have a national organization handling it. No, I think that's appropriate. And just to circle back to what I mentioned about. Mark Poland cars in the vaccination uh, announcement. So his tweet, and then he also put out a press release uh, as announced yesterday due to a, due to a dramatic reduction in COVID-19 vaccine allocation, Erie, Erie County department of health is canceling all vaccine appointments for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, which is January 18th through the 20th of this week. And they're going to, I think there was a follow-up to that. Maybe not. Well, anyway, it is related to the federal the vaccine shortage. So in the actual press release, there's a lot of information about, you know, the number of that we were allocated 7,500 doses by New York state. But then as reported by the Washington post on Friday, uh, January 15th, the federal government's vaccine reserve has been depleted and vaccine doses promises promised, Yeah. Promised woo, promised to states are simply not available. So folks, this shit really is rolling downhill on us. Oh, man. We're never reopening. Well, I mean, it does seem that way sometimes, doesn't it? No, it's just... We'll, we'll get to... It's There's not going to be any like clear line of, of demarcation, right? It's going to be... Gradually, we, we get a little bit better, and all of a sudden, we're like, oh, I guess things are kind of normal again. It's going to be like you know? Cocoon, where like all the old people can have fun. <laughs> yeah. Because they're feeling rejuvenated, because they all got the vaccine. Has that been the plan all along? Right, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> It the the entire government like Trump's whole plan for the last four years has been to reenact a Ron Howard movie. Is that what happened to Wilford Brimley? Yeah, uh, diabetes. Yeah, I will say my only commentary on this is that everybody's very dialed in, especially now, to the national comings and goings of political events. 
Obviously, this year's election was the thing that dominated 2020, and you could argue dominated 2019, 2018, whatever. It's rarely so clear to see how the federal government mismanaging something on this level directly impacts your day-to-day life. It's staggering because there are so many, there are usually so many tiers of things to prevent it from being this fucked up. There are so many stops along the way. That's kind of the idea of the federal government as it exists, right? That there's a lot of like checks and balances and stop points where things don't get this fucked up. So it's just incredible that because Donald Trump and his administration. So so epic of a fuck up as a person. Yes. And to take the rest of the federal government. Right. And just melted the structure down. Like it's actually kind of impressive. Yeah. I mean, if if you're not affected by it directly jet fuel can't melt steel beams but (laughs) donald trump can melt down the bureaucracy and just destroy the ability for the federal government to respond to anything incredible incredible well long story short yes we are not going to get the fucking vaccine anytime soon i'm not and and nor should i be i'm not a healthcare worker or Uh, a teacher although i did see were i in new jersey i could get the vaccine oh because they added smokers to their priority list I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a pack of Marlboros after this. <laughs> right, yeah, I'm <Move> to New <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> right, That's, I I I've never thought about moving to uh, Trenton before, yeah. but man, <laughs> oh boy. Well, and they're not requiring proof that you're a smoker, which I don't know how you prove you're a smoker other than like showing up with a pack of Lucky Strikes and being like, love them. <laughs> but uh, there's no listen. There's no wrong person to get vaccinated. No, no. So fuck it. If if people. Yeah, pull out a pack of, you know, Marlboros or Camels or whatever, Virginia Slims. I don't smoke, but I'm just throwing out cigarette brands I've heard of. If they just Eve lights, if you pull out, that's my mom's cigarette. If um, if somebody pulls out a pack of cigarettes, like, yeah, I'm a smoker, and they get vaccinated, fine, good. That means another person was vaccinated. Right, if you Wait, could- which, is, which is why my dog is taking up smoking. <laughs> If you get a if you have like a carton of smokes from the reservation, you're you're absolutely a smoker. Oh yeah. You're, you're just like there's no question after that. Yeah, no, there's there's no way you either you're a smoker or you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I can I light up a heater while I'm getting the actual shot, do you think? Yeah, probably. Just like a nice photo op for the my, news. My uh speaking of healthcare and cigarettes, my mother was telling me this week that uh the first time that her uh, her father ever saw her smoke was in the emergency room waiting room at a hospital because that's what used to be. Cause I was, we were talking about last week on the, uh, the pod, I made the joke about smoking in a grocery store yeah. while picking out lettuce. And my mom was like, I remember like my, will be my grandmother, her mother, like giving her a list. Cause she was the eldest of the, the four daughters, giving her a list to go to the deli and like putting the youngest one in the cart, the, the other two stand by it. She get her list with her coupons out and then light up a cigarette and start walking through the grocery store. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. Well, here's hoping that the smokers, non-smokers, old people, young people, we all get vaccinated soon. But here we are. Jim, tell me something good. Make me feel happy. Get me in a good place. I think our boy Nate's running for office again. Is it time for... Or a Nate, Nate, watch. Nate Watch, baby. Nate Watch, baby. Yeah. Nate Watch. Yeah, Nate watch. Yeah. I, yeah. Should, I should add those air horns as a sound effect. I'm going to edit. Uh, he t- we need a little Nate Watch like a like Love Shack. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Nate Watch, baby. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get we'll get the band together. He uh he tweeted out yesterday uh, a tweet. We got work to do. Details soon. Flexing arm with a picture of three envelopes with the return labels. Good trouble pack. Daredevil pack and against the grain pack, all with the same address in Lewiston. Now, besides the fact that that gives me more homework to do next week to look into these packs to see what we do when we do the campaign finance episode, I had heard rumors that Nate McMurray might be thinking about primarying Kevin Hardwick for controller. And he also then, uh, if I remember correctly, I, ha- I have the tweet. All right, here, here we go. This is from uh, the 15th of January, so Friday. If the Erie County Dems endorse Kevin Hardwick, after all these years of bashing Dems for not being conservative, how in the heck can they fear and tremble about me poking them for not having the guts to be a little more progressive? I hate this broken machine. Hypocrisy unlimited. Hugh boy. Yeah. The hypocrisy unlimited, by the way, not as nearly as popular as Ducks Unlimited is. <laughs> the point is, he's running, baby. I think he's running. Well, what's incredible is again we've talked about how nate does not have clearly the support of the party infrastructure kevin hardwick very much has the support of the party infrastructure so nate in many ways i think has taken that outsider chip on his shoulder if i had to guess i think nate at first i thought he was just going to become a buffalo influencer i thought he was just going to be a figure around here who you knew his name he didn't really know what he did he just knew he was like involved in something political. But I think now he's on a revenge tour against J- Jeremy Zellner and the Dems. Because this should be an easy win for them, right? Like, Kevin Hardwick, oh, s- sensible enough guy. It's going to be an easy win. McMurray's going to get absolutely crushed if he runs against Hardwick. It's going to be a joke. My point, though, is that they probably were not anticipating a primary from... Maybe they were. I don't know. I just don't think they were expecting Nate McMurray to primary. I I don't think they were expecting Nate McMurray to exist and and continue to show up and be something anymore. But, Nate, you're welcome on the show. Uh, Always. Always Mm -hmm. welcome on the show to come on and and tell us about your your nascent uh, controller race that you're going to be running. Yeah, I mean, I think he gets absolutely smoked. I mean, like we talked about with India last week, right, is that if you're the outsider, one of the ways you have to do it is you're, you need to be able to pound the pavement, knock on doors, and get people to switch over to your side, right? With COVID, you can't do that door-to-door campaigning. Well, let me ask you this. What if we're, um, what if we're Nate McMurray's Stefan Diggs? What if, uh, what, what if we, we push him over the edge into a, a real contender? Well, Jim, I would posit, though, that Stefan Mahailu, not, not Stefan Diggs, <laughs> much, much different Stefan. Mm-hmm. But Stefan Mahailu laid out the model, mate, that you don't actually have to know what the job is. Simply that you let other people know that it's about money and you can sort of take on the demagoguery role. Now, in all fairness to Nate, you know, he's a bit more educated than Stefan Mahailu and carries himself a little bit more intellectual. But, but I could see Nate McMurray being like the blue. Stefan role, honestly, where you he's not talking about like the actual job. It's just that it's going to be like about money and he wants to take on the party infrastructure and, you know, he wants to challenge this and, and Kevin Hardwick, that could be the way in because you say that people will just vote for Kevin Hardwick and maybe, but also Nate McMurray has over the course of three congressional campaigns, 
developed quite a following on social media. He's built a name brand. They know who he is. Yeah, I'm wondering if you polled all the people in Erie County, how many more people would know Nate McMurray's name over Kevin Hardwick at this point? I mean, I don't know because you remember, like, that district, while we talk about it like it, it, it covered a lot of Erie County, didn't cover that much Erie County. It covered more. It, it had the Glow Counties and Monroe County involved. So it was, it, it's, it's that spanning, it, you know, yes, it had Lancaster, Alden, Clarence, Newstead in it. But it, it wasn't, I mean, the majority of Erie County is in Brian Higgins' district. Right, but Nate McMurray has run ads on local television, he, he, and Kevin he, Hardwick has not. He has, but Kevin Hardwick's been around a long He's time. He's been around. He's, Kevin Hardwick's been around a long time. Kevin Hardwick's going to have the support of the party machine to get his name out there. And, like, to your point about, like, Nate being the demagogue, I think of, like, this year's or last year's presidential election. Where people, I think a lot of people voted for Biden because they just want politics to be boring again. That they don't have to worry about, like, what crazy shit did the president do this week. I think that trickles down to local elections, too. I think people just want politics to be boring again. And Kevin Hardwick is the boring controller choice. It's true. Side note, just for the listener's edification, if this hypothetical Democratic comptroller's primary were to occur, Jim... Would this also take place side by side with the mayoral? Yes, primary. Yes, it 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 would. So that they'd be on the primary ballot at the same time. Now we're assuming there's going to be a, a mayoral primary, but remember, as as we stated, I guess there is because as India pointed out, Scott Wilson's announced that he's running. So there's going to be at least two Democrats running: Scott Wilson and India Walton. If there's nobody else, I can only speak on behalf of myself and my fellow hosts here. But how incredible! Gentlemen, would it be to have an opportunity to vote on a ballot for both India Walton and Nate McMurray for wildly different reasons? Well, I don't live in the city, so I I, I won't have that ballot. Well, go fuck yourself, Jim. (laughs) I'm talking about me. Me personally, then. I live in the city, and I will dream of dreams. I will get to vote potentially for Nate McMurray and India Walton for, again, wildly different reasons why I would do it, but I would be excited Nonetheless, I mean, I would be I'd be intrigued by a Nate McMurray campaign. Uh, it would it, it would give us lots of fodder for Nate watch every single week. Um, I mean, he, the, one of the things is that, like, I don't know how much money he's got left in his federal campaign, but you can't just tra- you can't transfer that to a state or local campaign budget very easily. You can't just it's not like it's not like like if Stefan decides like like the rumor is to run for Hamburg town supervisor. He can take literally all the money he's got for county controller and transfer it over to his Hamburg supervisor account. And it's nobody bets an eye and, is, and everything's legal and, and legit. But because of federal to local campaign, you can't do that. The federal money has to be in that federal account. So if McMurray has any money left, he just can't use that for a local campaign. He's got to raise money anew. It's true. However, I have to imagine that he has built up a sizable network of people for small dollar donations. I could easily see him leveraging his social media following, his group of small dollar donors and turning that into some momentum for this level. What, what, what the nightmare scenario is for ECDC is that if, if McMurray is able to run a credible campaign as the left candidate, if they're able to get say independence and working families from Hardwick and McMurray somehow wins the democratic primary, and then you have a three-way race for controller in the fall 
then the Republican wins, whoever the Republican is, whether it's Stefan Mahailu or it's whether it's Lynn Dixon or Don Beebe or whoever the hell it might be. Or maybe they get Nate a job, right? This could be a play for Nate to, to, get, to finally get a job, to finally get some response. Yeah. I mean, more than anything, this is not to get too much into how the sausage gets made, and I don't want to detract from anybody's idealism about how the political process, especially on this local and county level works. But a lot of times you'll see political runs like this. It's a play for a job. It's, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, the local democratic party may give Nate some kind of county level job just to say, okay, get out of our hair. Mm -hmm. So this could be that, but I will say, Yes, Jim, you're right. The scenario you laid out where there's a three-way dance for the comptroller seat is kind of a nightmare scenario for the Democrats. But as you yourself have pointed out, if there were a competitive primary for mayor... Well, competitive general election for mayor. Competitive general election, excuse me, for mayor. How this would impact the the sheriff's race. Right. So, which is, is clearly after many years of Sheriff Tim Howard... The Democrats are very much eyeballing winning that seat. Yes. I mean, this this can only help that cause, right? Yeah. I mean, anything that drives out turnout in the city will help out uh, the Democrats for countywide races because the Democrats have such a, a large enrollment advantage in the city that if you can drive turnout. So if you can have a competitive mayoral race where Democrats have to turn out and vote in the city, well, then that helps them down ballot for you know, down ballot, as it were, um, even though I think the county races are actually listed ahead, but whatever. Um, uh, but it helps them on the ballot for the other races, such as sheriff and controller and, well, basically just for those two races. And, you know, it will be interesting to see who the Democrats pick as sheriff. You know, I hear a lot of rumblings about Bernie Tolbert being run back. Um, I think that would be great. I know Bernie. I, I, I think Bernie's a fantastic guy. Would you say you're a Bernie bro? I am a Bernie bro. I mean, Bernie's Bernie's smart. He's he's clearly has his head in the right place. He has the experience in law enforcement to be a, a legitimate candidate, um, as well as you know. I mean, this is a guy who was former director of the local FBI office. He also has an MSW. You know, so I mean, he understands a holistic approach to law enforcement and that, you know, there maybe there are some things that would be better served by having social workers handle as opposed to having law enforcement handle. Well, folks, our next segment will be with Marty Boratin from Mohawk Place. He's the booking guy. What did he say? Talent buyer? Talent buyer. Talent buyer. Hell of an interview. Really cool dude. It's been, I can't even begin to imagine what a struggle it has been for local promoters, concert venues, People who just love music, like us. We love music here. You know, we, we named our podcast after Thursday at the Square, basically. So we clearly have a love of music. Uh, Marty brings just a really fascinating perspective into how that has been for that venue. You know, I, I know a lot of other venues are in different places, but it was really cool talking to him. So, yeah, stick around.
and welcome to today's guest to the square, Marty Borden, the talent buyer, the, the booking guy, as it were, at Mohawk Place. Marty, welcome to the square. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for coming. This, um, You're welcome. This whole COVID thing, Marty, uh, gotta say, it's a real bummer. No uh, good. Uh, put it mildly, yes. We all love live music here. I think I can speak on behalf of my co-hosts, where we love to go to concerts. We love to go to concerts that you've booked at Mohawk <laughs> Thank Place. You. you do good work. So Thanks. how's it been, man? We're in, what, month 10 of this? How, how are you holding up? Uh, I'm holding up fine. Um, I'll have to admit the first oh, three or four months were just absolutely insane because Nobody knew how long this was going to last. And, uh, you know, shows we had booked for the end of March, April, May, uh, people started rescheduling, not just local shows, but uh, a lot of touring acts we had coming through. And tours are being postponed, so it was rescheduling. So we rescheduled somebody from the end of March until the end of June. And then, you know, when end of april rolled around it's like well let's reschedule for like october and then it got to be well we'll reschedule into january and now i have at least a dozen shows booked into 2022 for touring bands because there's a lot that goes into booking a tour across the country and you're dealing with you know different uh, rules and regulations in every state every county um it's just uh, really hard to uh, plan these things um, if you've got a you know three, four, five piece band and you know tour manager, roadie, merch person uh, dealing with uh, you know hotels, dealing with uh, you know other logistical problems. It's just uh, you need a lot of lead time on these things, and uh, it's rough when you're canceling hotels and canceling the van rental and uh you know telling the uh roadie that well sorry you're not going to be able to work uh see if you can find another another outlet right now so it's uh it's uh it's a lot of work marty are you at liberty to tell us some of the bands like can you tell us what they took away from us like who are we going to see in that uh time frame because because mohawk place is just renowned for booking really awesome acts and i'm just kind of curious if uh if we could be have a little window into what we missed yeah we love schadenfreude so we just want to like really yeah. like drive ourselves nuts here yeah well it's like i you know have to say right up front i mean i'm the guy who handles the booking at mohawk but there's several outside promoters that we deal with extensively too and uh, a lot of credit has to go to them. And so people like After Dark and, uh, you know, Greg Burt, people who book shows in, you know, week in and week out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was excited we were bringing in, well, hoping to bring in the nude party, uh, mm -hmm. working with uh, Doug over at the uh, Bug Jar in Rochester to, you know, make it a little more lucrative for them if they had a, another date an hour and a half away. Right, and, right. Uh, that fell through. Um, I know we were supposed to have uh, the sword coming back, and that's been rescheduled, I think, four times now. I'm looking at some time. I think in 2022 on that one. I, it might be late fall of 2021. But So a lot of acts. And, uh, 
just couldn't uh, swing it. Could we could we speed this up if we just started handing out vaccines at Mohawk? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love to. <laughs> Have you been in communication with? I mean, I'm sure. Obviously, you said you have a lot of folks who are involved with this, but have you gotten a sense from the musical acts themselves or from, you know, their agents or their people? Like, how are they dealing with all this uncertainty? A lot of them are hanging in there. I know a lot of them are really frustrated. Uh, a lot of people I deal with directly um, have side jobs or uh, supportive spouses, too, which is a big help guy I deal with frequently is uh, works as an accountant by day and uh, you know does booking by night and he's able to survive but then again on the other hand uh, you know there was a couple acts where you know I got a email say you know December 1st asking about a date and uh, I was crazy busy with uh, my day job and uh, you know holidays coming in so it's like yeah, I'd get back to them like the day after Christmas and find out that they're no longer working there or the company no longer existed. Um, it's been it's been tough. It's been tough on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only imagine. What um, just to pivot a little bit because I mean, obviously we are in a state of uncertainty constantly about what's going to reopen, when, what zone we're in. Uh, recently that the bars and restaurants have reopened again in Western New York on a limited basis after the lawsuit here. I'm sure it looms large over your mind, but what kind of government or community support or communication, I guess just on your end involved in that business, what kind of information or support or resources have you been getting? Well, we've had a lot of support from our regulars. I don't know... I, I, I just do the booking. Uh, Rick Platt owns the uh, building um, and he owns Electric Avenue next door and the uh, apartments upstairs. So we haven't been hurting as bad as a lot of other venues. It's just, you know, as long as we can, you know, pay the taxes, pay our liquor license and the state, uh, as far as I've heard, has been really good with, uh, you know, deferring payments um just you know canceling um things like you know your liquor license payment it's like you know you're paying i forget how many thousands of dollars a year and it's just when you can't actually use it i don't quote me exactly on how that worked but i know what they've been uh helpful good guy in that respect Uh, i know a lot of other venues are hurting that you know they're renting. I have a buddy that lives in Austin, and he owns two bars down there. One of them he owns the building on, and the other one he just pays astronomical rent on. And uh, you know, it's tough when you uh, you know still have to pay. I forget what he said. It was you know twenty thousand dollars a month or something uh, for the space, and uh, you know not having any income. Uh, they've been able to reopen several times now because they've been you know reopening and then you know being forced to shut down when uh, things get uh, a little crazy again and uh you know a lot of the local bands um have been really understanding too uh the bands at mohawk books is almost exclusively original acts so (laughs) you know that you can't 
really make any money being an original musician in Buffalo. Uh, you've got to have a day job. Uh, the uh, people who are complaining the loudest are the ones who play in the, uh, you know, the cover bands, the tribute bands, who that's actually their day job. That's how they make a living uh, by playing out, you know, four or five times a week sometimes. Right. And uh, I know I've, we've got a, you know, a couple friends who play there regularly who actually have the, uh, you know, their full-time gig as being a musician slash sound engineer slash recording engineer. And, uh, you know, they've had their, uh, their income slashed to almost nothing right now. Most of the bands I've spoken to in the last 10 months are in no hurry to get back until things are a little safer. Um, I can't think of anybody I know that doesn't have a family member or a close friend um, that has some kind of comorbidity issue that, uh, you know, they just don't want to take the, the chance. And, you know, comorbidity can be anything from being a smoker to being overweight to, you know, diabetic to being asthmatic. And, uh, you know, you just don't want to take the chance of catching anything. Uh, we had one uh, local musician who... You know, played Mohawk, yeah, I would say, you know, two, three, four times a year. He just celebrated his 50th birthday this summer um, while then we had like a what, six, seven week window. We were open again and, you know, had his 50th birthday party slash record release show. And he died of it uh, back in December. It's scary stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, we've got, you know, most of our staff um, had other jobs. You know, bartending is a uh, second job for people. Being a, a sound man is a second job, and you know they're happy to uh, you know not be dealing with the uh, public on a pre- frequent basis. I myself, you know, I was a little leery about you know sitting at the door every night, you know, talking to twenty, thirty, sure. forty, a hundred people um, with this going on. That being said, uh, the uh, you know six or seven weeks we were open there, we didn't have a single person walk through the door that did not have a mask on. Everybody was really glad to be able to uh, you know get out and see some live music, and crowds you know varied you know anywhere from one uh, to uh, I think fifty five was the uh, highest we had. I think our uh, reduced capacity was sixty one and. Mm. Uh, you know, people knew, you know, well in advance, even without selling tickets that, uh, you know, how many people were going, who was going, you know, things were uh, quite manageable. Uh, when they added the uh, little food uh, addition to the uh, regulations. Little, twi- little Twinkies like, and All right, cupcakes. We'll, br- we'll bring in uh, sandwiches. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, work would yeah. fix uh, wraps one night. He would have like meatball bombers the next night. Uh, and uh, well, we'd started out, it was uh, you could get shots of rice or shots of fruit cocktail. For it. <laughs> and uh, then the governor said, no, it has to be something substantial. It has to be at least a sandwich. So we did the sandwiches and then, uh, yeah, when it got to the point, it's like, well, you can't advertise, you can't charge a cover. It's like, you know. Yeah, yeah then you but, can't run a business. Yeah. yeah. And trust me, I'm used to pulling money out of my pocket, uh, you know, 
weekly to uh, pay bands when uh, you know crowd isn't what we were hoping for. So um, it just it just wasn't feasible to uh, stay open. It's wild. Like I know, obviously, you love music, and I know everybody involved in the process loves music, but to hear on just like a baseline level, like you just mentioning that you had to pull money out of your pocket. How much this is, Oh, I've been doing that for years, decades. <laughs> oh, sure. But just how much of this is like love of music and how everybody coming together within the organization and without, like, it's just, it's not about like, I mean, yes, everybody wants to get paid, get their money, but it's not, it's more about the music and coming together. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's probably 95% love of music and 5% free beer. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are less noble. Depending on what's on tap. Sometimes it's 10%. <laughs> so talk to me, Marty. I, I know, you know, you have, you're not a fortune teller. You don't live in the future. But things, hopefully, someday, please, God, let it be as soon as possible are going to be up and running again. Do you think it's going to be something where it's going to take a long time to kind of get everybody back and organized? Or do you think things are just going to kind of gel together and flow? It's going to take a, a long, slow process to get things back to where they were. Um, I can't see things being fully open until probably September, October. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say April 1st at the earliest for, uh, you know, being able to, you know, slowly creep back into it and, you know, not having to, uh, fix sandwiches and right. being able to actually tell people what's going on. And that, and at that point in like April, it's just going to be like the 65 and over crowd will be the only people allowed to show up at the show. <laughs> yeah. Or those, uh, you know, healthcare workers, right, yeah. Healthcare workers, first responders. Teachers. Yeah. School teachers. We have a lot of school teachers who are regular patrons. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, by the fall, it'll be everybody. And I know, like, once I get my vaccine, like, the very first show that you guys have, I'm going to. I don't care who it is because I'm just I'm just Mm. so we like to say horny for people. I'm just I can't (laughs) wait to see other human beings and be around them and listen to live music. I've got to think about how many bands I know that they're fully comprised of school teachers that I can uh, (laughs) book in (laughs) and healthcare workers. Yeah, they deserve the biggest. uh, They deserve the priority to go to the concerts and listen to music and have fun because they're the ones who are the real MVPs in all this. So I hope every healthcare worker and school teacher gets absolutely shit face tanked. Yeah. As soon as they're I, able to I be think around people, cashiers and supermarkets are, you know, next in line too. So they should be. That, they, that they, should that should be easier. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's pivot away. You know, we're all we're all looking towards the future. We have an eye. There, there's maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. Get us excited. I, I know you mentioned nude party. Uh, get tell us about some acts or like who should we be listening to now who should we be excited about when finally we can get music back again well i wish i could remember exactly who all was coming in the uh you know the next uh 18 months or so that we have uh on the calendar already i haven't been uh 
you know, keeping that close tabs because I just keep shuffling things and shuffling things and shuffling things around. I think I mentioned we got the sword rescheduled. Um, yeah. I forgot what the date's going to be on that, but uh, I'm just pulling up my calendar now to see, like, in all practicality, who's going to be uh, coming in. I'm just, I just keep seeing, you know, rescheduled, rescheduled, <laughs> rescheduled. We've got a uh, local 90s tribute uh, night with people playing tribute to Weezer, Green Day, Pavement, and Hole that I've had. Re- this is like the fourth rescheduled date for them right now. I have to dust uh, off my Doc Martens. Yeah. <laughs> in May. So, nice. uh, looks like we've got, uh, you know, the slackers are coming back. We've got oh, nice. uh, some dates, uh, you know, rescheduled for them again. I was holding dates for uh, Super Suckers with Legendary Shack Shakers, but mm. that is that was supposed to be beginning of June. I got a feeling that's going to get uh, bumped again. Are there any like, are there any acts right now that are like uh, white whales for you that you would love to get that you know you're just like, man, I hope we can convince them to tour and, and come through Rochester Buffalo area. Uh, I'd love to see Waxahachie come in. Uh, I'd love to see uh, Soccer Mommy back again. I think Phoebe Bridgers has outgrown Mohawk mm. at this point. And, Which uh, I think that sucks because I think like if in 2020 when she really broke out, I think she would have been right there. Oh, exactly. Um, I've got a uh, rescheduled date for Torres um, in September. I think that one will finally happen. That's the third date and actually the third uh, contract I've sent back for that tour. But uh, she's awesome. I've caught her at South by Southwest a couple times. Uh, South by Southwest, was with, which is not happening again for the second year in a row. Right. Uh, you know, deferring my uh, $850 uh, registration for another year. <laughs> That's where you get to see a lot of these bands, and that uh, gets a lot of bands on the road in the spring, too. So... Uh, that's probably going to uh, just that not happening again is going to seal the deal for uh, a lot of bands not touring until uh, you know at least summer. What else have I got? Uh, I've got holds for cults. Uh, oh, just looking at happy fits, but I got a feeling that's been uh, postponed yet again too. <laughs> Jeff Rosenstock coming back. Uh, I've got a bunch of holds for him, but uh, who knows if that's you know, still in the offing. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a difficult time right now. Just trying to figure out what's going on and all the local bands who are regulars, nobody's been rehearsing. Um, everybody's playing it really cautious. I haven't had any musicians say, well, why can't you open it? Why can't you open? Everybody's been really, really cautious. Just waiting. Yeah. What's your favorite show you ever booked? Like that was just like for whatever reason why it was your favorite show, but was or your top uh, couple of shows? A few of my favorite shows. I mean, the White Stripes right before they broke big. It was like the day before they had a full page, you know, color article in the Sunday New York Times and uh, got them in really cheap, too, because uh, we had to bump a date for them like six months earlier. The first time Johnny Dowd ever played there, who I've since become 
very good friends with and uh you know he ended up playing my wedding and then you know came back to town to play my wife's memorial when she passed away but he was just like so far off everybody's radar uh, at the time and uh i just remember the first song and i'm sitting there going man this guy's amazing like people just looking at me i'm standing in the corner and people are just staring at me going how did he talk us into coming to see um there was uh, a band called some action which were like one of the best bands to come out of uh, new york in the uh early 2000s i think they lasted for all of six months they were just amazing they played like this blistering 20 minute set and never heard from them again we had captured by robots in there a couple times a guy who had a band comprised of robots <laughs> uh, who actually played instruments they played guitars lift to experience from uh texas who are just this amazing uh psych band they're just unbelievable live uh, just so many um yeah. you know sharon jones and the dap kings uh oh, yeah. before anybody really knew who they were just a lot of great stuff has come through over the years that's i mean i think i speak for everybody here on our show that that's what we love most about mohawk place is that it's this amalgam of all sorts of different kinds of music and different kinds of acts but you always know that you're just going to get something cool and unique the guy wasn't there for the robot band but that sounds really cool yeah. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that I would expect at, at a place like Mohawk Place that maybe I wouldn't expect from another venue. Yeah, I, I remember seeing Bishop Allen at Mohawk Place. Oh, those guys were so fucking good. That was, that um, was, it, and that, they, they had just That replaced, was one of those things where I was members. laying in bed on a Sunday morning listening to uh, Weekend Edition, and they had this interview with this band, and they play a couple bits of a couple songs and i actually got out of bed to write the name down and track them down uh became pretty good buddies with them too they, they came through a few times yeah i remember eating pizza with them at the bar yeah in fact we had, i don't know if you're familiar with uh story on npr yeah a little you know they do little segments where people just talk about relationships and things and they had been filming a week's worth of uh, stories in Buffalo, and two of the women involved with that had a little side project called The Recollective. And for a couple different reasons, one of them had a husband in grad school here, and I forget why the other one was living here for a while. But they stuck around and did the thing on you know five different segments of the Buffalo music scene. And one of them was me and my late wife, you know, hosting bands at the house all the time. And uh, I'm actually wearing my Bishop Allen t-shirt and the uh, <laughs> nice. cover of the, uh, you know, the little blurb for it. That's awesome. Who are you listening to right now, Marty? Is there anybody that you're, that you're spinning or listening to that, that you're just into? Uh, brand new. Uh, I just picked up the new nude party album. Uh, don't like it as much as the first one, but they're uh Still a great band. I caught them at South by Southwest a few years ago. I mentioned Soccer Mommy, Waxahachie. What's the guy's name? Uh, there's like a new kind of old tiny guy by the name of Jacob Blount, who I really, really like the album. Uh, I just picked it up a few weeks ago. I mean, I listen to a wide variety of 
things. And uh, if you couldn't tell by the stuff that used to get booked in the Mohawk. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, final question on our ends here. What, what can we do to support or what can we, I, I know you said that Mohawk place itself might be okay based on the ownership uh, situation, but what can we be doing? Or I guess when things reopen, like help us, once it's day one and we're able to get back in the doors or even before then, like what can we do or what can our listeners do just kind of sitting at home listening to this right now to make it be everything it, it can be and more? Like what um, can we be doing? Wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands. You guys seem to be almost six feet apart in the studio there. So. <laughs> no, we're close to six feet. Yeah. We're, we're our own little circle. There's nobody else that we... We're, and we're, we're medicating pretty heavily. <laughs> Yes, that that helps. <laughs> Alcohol helps. So. Yes. Marty Borden, Mohawk Place. Thank you so much, Marty. We'd love to have you back in the future when we can do stuff again and we can actually go see music and talk about all the sweet bands that come through Mohawk. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you back once everything opens up and you can be like, actually, here are the shows that are coming up and here's who you should come and see. And Yeah, that would be great. Just as a little aside, I don't know if you guys know Pam Swartz at all, local musician. She's got a YouTube channel up now where she's got all these videos from bands that played the late 90s through the early 2000s that she would videotape at Mohawk and never got around to writing the names of everybody on the tape. So we've been trying to uh, you know, track down who was playing. I think she's identified about three quarters of them now. But oh, uh, if you, if you want to just refresh your memory on like some of the uh, great bands and wide variety of bands that played there. That, that, that reminds me of like in the early 2000s, I saw uh, Mooney Suzuki with the Sahara Hot Nights at Mohawk. Yeah. Oh, Sahara Hot Nights were great. Sahara Hot Nights lit the place on fire. Yeah. I remember they really enjoyed dinner and loved the uh, vintage 50s dishes I had brought in to serve everybody on. So. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Okay, we can we could put that up. Um, we could if we could find the link to the YouTube video, Ryan. We could yeah. put it on our social media. Get that, Marty. Man, thanks again, and uh, be safe out there. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. All right, guys. Um, so, out of all the concerts that you may have missed this year, uh, can, can you list uh, off? Which ones you missed the most? Which ones are you more most sorry about missing? We had tickets to see Bright Eyes at Art Park. That the last few times Bright Eyes was touring, he's been just a real mess. Oh yeah, of. I went I went to Bayville where he was with uh, Phoebe Bridgers, uh, mentioned by by Marty. Um, she was great. He was drunk off his ass and ended the show early, and it was it was a bad experience. But I'd give him another chance. For sure, and I and I had heard that he was starting to clean up a little bit before this, and yeah. it was just a it was a show that I would have been very excited to see. No, we had tickets to go see Vampire Weekend at our park. It'd been great, and uh, I was super excited. I really loved the new album. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a pretentious dick, so of course I love Vampire Weekend. Um, I also love Vampire Weekend, Jim. I'm more of a pretentious dick sometimes <laughs> that I don't like the new album because they don't have Rostam on it. Yeah, he left yeah, the band. Yeah. That's how much of a pretentious it's, dick I am. They, they went a little more mainstream with this. Album. Well, you, yeah. you did go to Notre Dame. We both went to private schools, <laughs> but you went to Notre Dame. I went I went to lowly St. Bonaventure. I'm the, I'm the public school dropout, I guess. Yeah. 
But um, I missed Bon Iver. That's when I really missed. Yeah. That, that would have been fantastic. Um, you know, I would have definitely had the ca- have to have a lot of caffeine to get through that one, not fall asleep. But yeah, well, I mean, like uh, Marty said, he wants to get Waxahachie, and oh, yes, man, I would, I would sell each of your kidneys. That that album got me through the first half of that. That that album it's is is so good. Fantastic. I was I was just re-listening to it yesterday, and mm-hmm. just mm, Chef's Kiss, just I, so great. I'd love to see Orville Peck come to town. Oh man, I would. I'd sell my kidneys for that one. I saw him in in Austin uh, at a post South, or a Austin City Limits concert, and it was it was just great. He's he's great. Well, speaking of local acts, uh, somebody who I've gotten into during this pandemic time, Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Iris is a great song. Mm-hmm. Phoebe Bridgers covered it. Mm-hmm. Benny the Butcher. Benny the Butcher. Benny yeah. the Butcher. Uh, West Side Gun. All all the excellent yeah. Griselda man. Yep, yep. Yep. How cool would it be? I know, I know. Benny was at at the Bills game last week. Uh, he was there in person, and just like the, this huge upcoming rap collective, like these these guys. I, I don't even want to say upcoming. They're they're big time. They're big time. They're big time. They're, they've hit it. So I would love to see like Benny the Butcher at a show in Buffalo. Yeah. Oh my God. Who would that be? Yeah, that would be amazing. I'd uh, love to have him on the podcast. Speaking of uh, real quick, rappers and Buffalo connections. Um, I saw shared on uh, Instagram by 50 Cent. Fetty Wap is wearing a Buffalo Bison's hat in his new rap. And it's like a vintage Bison's hat, too. Like, it's not like a new one. Like, he must have either had this, like, made or custom ordered or got it off of eBay or, or Etsy. He probably shops on Etsy a lot. Um, But, yeah, wearing, like, a vintage, like, 1995 Bison's hat. Shout out to Fetty Wap. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Friend as of the hell. pod. Friend of the pod, Fetty Wap. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, listen, I know we're all on cloud nine about the Buffalo Bills, but share with us, you know, what concert did you, uh, did you have lined up that kind of fell through and maybe you're looking forward to in the future at, at square pod buff, uh, at James Tamil on Twitter at the real Ryan Steele. That go fuck yourself <laughs> at Twitter <laughs> dot biz. <laughs> no, follow us. Yeah, again at Square Pod Buff, right, Ryan? Yes. Make sure uh, you tag us or whatever. I don't know. Whatever, whatever you. You're adults. Tag you use, hashtag. I don't know what the kids do. Now. Hash brown, like that yeah. classic, like old person joke. <laughs> it's a, ha- a hash brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, do it. Tag us. Whatever. We just like talking to people who who like the show. So reach out. Let us know. What musical acts that kind of got canceled for you? Not in the bad way, I guess, in the bad way, but not in right. like the Louis C.K. way, right? Yeah, not <laughs> not not cancel cultured, not cancel cultured, but honest to God, actually canceled, and maybe some that you would hope to see here in Buffalo in the future. Yep, thanks, Brussels. Thanks, guys.